Art is too important not to share. Welcome to the Allie and Callie Artcast. Hi, I'm Allie. <laughs> and I'm Callie, and we're with the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance. Hello, everyone. Hello, this is our very first live pre-recorded art cast. I know. Would you please explain what that is? Okay. That's very confusing. Okay, because we pre-record these art casts because this won't air until May 7th. May 7th, so mark your calendar. But we just wanted to have a live audience because we are a big fan of Greenbrier Inn and yes, our are. guest, Adam, is in town. And so we wanted to do a very special art cast a very special a very special <laughs> art cast. so today is a very special one that's so, right all right Callie what's going on with you okay I want to tell you what happened yesterday uh, we were um, after we had our wonderful art cast with um, David yesterday that'll air uh, I don't know April 26th there you go April 26th uh, we went to fire artisan pizza that's right Bell, Bell, Kristen, the Bell. <laughs> yes. Every time we go to a business, we want to hit the Bell. Right. Anyway, so, it's a little inside joke. Yes. Anyway, uh, so we were at Fire and we were debriefing about our art cast, and then we realized um, we were being very loud. <laughs> we were laughing, and I pretty uh, much everybody left. <laughs> and. Um, a woman said, oh my God, Callie, how are you? And I hadn't seen this person in six years. She says, you probably don't remember me. We did a show together. And I said, I know exactly who you are. And hello, how are you? She came in with her, two of her kids. And I said, it's so great to see you. So she went and sat and ate with her family. And we continued to laugh, laugh. and cry and just have, you know, brainstorm for our next podcast. Today. And, yeah, today. And um, we like to pretend like we know what we're doing. <laughs> so we ended up um, having a great meal and um, saw Jan Pallant on the street. We, we, we pulled him, him off. Yeah, we called him in. Another future guest. Another future guest. And uh, we ended up, as we were paying our bill, Grace, our waitress, Grace, yes, she was wonderful. She came up and she said, It's all taken care of. And we're like, What? And I was, <laughs> I was like, Ooh, let's who, dance. Who Ooh. did that? <laughs> it was uh, anonymous. Anonymous. Oh, turn off your phone, Stu Cabe. <laughs> Calling you out. Anyway, um, so she's. I we of course knew who anonymous was because it, they were the, the only, only other table in the, in the in restaurant. The but I just wanted to say that was an intentional kindness. There's random acts and then there's intentional. And I haven't experienced anything like that. And she's going to cry. And I will, I get all, if you know me, I choke up a lot. And it was so, it was, first of all, we drank. And so it was expensive. And I wanted to say thank you, yes. JL, JL, you're still anonymous. Yes. But, um, but that was a very generous It was so generous, and we... And a nice surprise. It was a wonderful surprise. So it just brightened up my day, and I felt great. Yay! And I will pay it forward. Yay! So that's it. what I did. <laughs> and so how about you, Allie? What's new in your life? Well, I'm just so excited to be here at the Greenbrier. Um, I have known Chris McElvana 
since my son was born and he just turned or he will be 35 this year wow yeah you're so too young to have a 35 year old i know i was three when he was born you were three i think so yeah mm-hmm. but um anyway uh this is a great space and there's a lot of history here yes and i really want to thank chris mcavena for allowing us to use her space yes over and over again yes she's the best um let me i've got a little history um about this did you know this house was built in 1908 by harvey davy to show off brickwork of the time Really, and there is a lot of brick. Yes, there is. Do you know that when I first met Chris, this room wasn't even here? I did not know that. It it wasn't. Uh, It's a beautiful room. I know, it's a beautiful room. And then, in the 30s, this became a bordello. And it was run by the mayor of the times, madam. (laughs) Or mistress. Mistress, whatever. (laughs) Doesn't matter. (laughs) Which is funny, because... uh, in the 70s, it was housed by the, uh, okay, now I, Church <laughs> yes, of Spokane. I, I worried about this word because sometimes my emphasis is wrong. <laughs> my emphasis, uh, the Church of Spokane, also known as the Blue Nuns, which was some sort of a cult. A cult. Yeah, and, and their daycare for they parishioners. A, yeah, they had a daycare. Which is crazy. But I remember those times. You when do? The blue nuns would walk around town and we'd all look at them like, God, you're weird. <laughs> blue nuns, yeah. I guess that's. Have you tried their wine? They have blue nuns. Blue nun. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, in yes. the big tall blue bottle. Do you know that when I first moved to Coeur d'Alene, I had $10 in my pocket and I went to that little um, shop that used to be where the Coeur d'Alene North is now, and I spent it on a bottle of Blue Nun. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> I just came to town. That was Bringing it yes. back to the Blue Nuns. Money, but I had wine. But and it was a Magnum bottle. You yeah. could get a Magnum bottle. Yeah, for then. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Blue Nun. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, but, um, um, for the past 40 years, yes. Bob and Chris McAvena have owned this place, worked it. They got it on the National Historic Registry, and um, I have seen a lot of changes with it. It's been really fun knowing Chris all these years. So, um, And I believe I first met you here at the Greenbrier Inn. Yes, you did. Uh, how how did that happen? Well, that was when I was the director of a program called Art on the Edge. That's right. And we did a fundraiser that year called the Mad Hatter Tea Party and Croquet Celebrity Tournament. Yes, yes. And Callie and her husband, Stu, were some of our celebrities. We also had Christina Crawford. Yes. We had the president of the college. We had Rocky Watson and uh, Mary Lou Shepard, who was a... Uh, representative at the time right but Callie shows up with the cutest hat she won the best hat contest and my hat was made up of Happy Meal toys <laughs> because at the time we well we still have two kids but they were young at the time and we had so many Happy Meal toys so I was like mad hatter what can I do so I hot glued every damn Hot, you know, Happy Meal toy. We had so many, and we won the contest. 
Yes. So that was my claim to fame. Um, we didn't win the croquet contest. No. But that's okay. I can't remember. Oh, I know. Michael Burke, who was the president of the college, won, and he was so proud of his trophy because he was not an athletic guy. And so to win a sports contest was a really big deal for him. Sports ball. Yeah. Woohoo! Did you know that right here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we have one of the nation's premier anti-bullying programs for students? Since 2006, Stu Cabe and the Ovation Company has been helping students and educators reach their full potential by following this simple philosophy. Work hard, play fair, be kind. For more information on how to make your school a kinder place, visit www.ovationcompany.com. We're excited to be here. Thank you so much for hosting us. And um, we're also very excited to have our guest today, Adam yes. Schutler. Schlutler. I can't even say it. Adam Schluter. Schluter. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. right, that's it. Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about Adam. He is uh, whom HBO has called the strongest independent photojournalist we've seen all year and National Geographic calls his composition striking and will draw your attention his book the world I see which we happen to have available today is a composition of the travels we will hear about today he was in a very dark place and just one day decided to take off around the world and find happiness and joy and a reminder that we are not alone and what he found was so much more that I believe will inspire all of us. So please help us welcome Adam Schluter. Yay! Yay! Welcome! You guys are doing a good job. Oh, no, no. I got to say, Adam, I was so immersed in your website. After, after I heard from you, and I'm, I'm like, well, what is this all about? And I spent an hour and a half pouring over all the stories. They moved me, and the rest of the day, I just felt lighthearted, like the world is not a bad place. Mm -hmm. And it was a really good feeling. So That's the highest compliment you can give, honestly. It is. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to you, you for that. Yeah. It's a big reason I, I do this, you know, is to try to inspire people to pay attention to how beautiful the world actually is. So that's yeah. why it's called The World I See. Mm -hmm. Right, The World yeah. I See, which yeah. is the name of the book, yeah. which I love. Yeah. But that name was taken, uh, the website name was taken, theworldic.com. Shoot. So when I made the website, I was like, well, I can't do that. So I'll call it Hello from a Stranger, and now everything's called Hello from a yeah. Stranger. So and I love that. that. Hello from a Stranger really speaks to you, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, tell us how you got started with all of this. Well, I got to bring back the circle on 315 because yes. when I, so I was living in Mexico. I didn't know where to move next or what to do. I was really kind of lost in life. And I was sponsored by a company to travel U.S., Canada, and Mexico on the PCH and find the best place to live out of all three countries. And I went 22,000 miles and I picked Coeur d'Alene as my favorite because a friend in Seattle talked me to go to Glacier. So when I moved to Coeur d'Alene, I had no money. <clears throat> I only had enough money to pay for my first month's rent at the time and I like begged my landlords to give me a chance and trust me. No job, no money, didn't know anyone. And what I would do is walk around all the streets here and try to find a job. And Chris actually gave me a job where oh. I had absolutely nothing. Yay, didn't Chris. know a single person in town. <laughs> so this was my first job in Coeur d'Alene. So I, I love here. that. Yeah. See, it's all right here. Yay! 
Chris, you're so it. smart. <laughs> <laughs> Rainbow Aaron. Yeah, I got fired from here, too. So. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, the dark the dark side. Believe it or not, oh. I've been fired at most of my jobs. So that's, that was a common uh, habit. But, um, you know, I really credit Chris at that time for not just giving me a chance, but this is how I met so many of the wonderful people. Karen, Tyler, two good friends that I met. You know, a lot of Chelsea, a lot of great people in this town that I met just working here. Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of got that. Uh, I'm an introvert, and that's where you got that leaving your comfort side in with working in restaurants, right? Walking up tables, little quick exchanges. And so I really credit a lot of these early moments to working here. Yeah, I really do. And then me and Chris have had countless deep, beautiful conversations. We just sit in our office and have these deep talks. So well, really yeah. helped me in a time. That's awesome. I a of New York idea, but on Coeur d'Alene to show mm -hmm. diversity, culture, mm -hmm. you know, give the rest of the country a better perspective of how Coeur d'Alene actually is right now. So, right. Yeah. Because Coeur d'Alene is a wonderful place. Wonderful place. It's got its yeah. issues, but it does. who doesn't? Yeah. But, um, you know, as a part of like what I do, whenever I go to a new country or a city, all I do is I just walk around and pay attention. I leave my phone at home and all I do is just kind of go around and, and look and, and share all these pictures I didn't set up. Uh, none of the pictures ever. So, uh -huh. um, you know, in Coeur d'Alene, I spent a lot of time walking around, seeing things, and I see a lot of beautiful moments of diversity and culture mm -hmm. here, so just going to capture that and show people about I it. love that. And there was a great example of that um, when you were trying to find, I believe, a little town called Burnt Ground. Yeah. And oh, you just awesome. kind of <laughs> accidentally ended up there, but purposefully, but it yeah. was, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, every once in a while, normally when I go to a new country, I do it completely spontaneously. All these cities, I have no plans. And normally I'll have an Airbnb for the first two or three days just to understand like that little proximity around there. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have no plans outside of that. And so what I'll do in new cities or countries um, is I'll then just really connect with locals in these communities. And I'll just introduce myself and I'll tell them, you know, we'll have these great conversations and I'll say like, tell me where to go next, I don't know anything. So this is in Jamaica, and Jamaica, you know, I, I did Jamaica um, as the second to last country in this project, because I wanted to do this in a country where I was always the minority, as a Caucasian. Right. Um, I had, you know, covered a lot of uh, cultural diversity events around the world, but I live in America and I have a very comfortable life. Um, with my, you know, just being a Caucasian in America. So I wanted to like feel what that was like and I wanted to feel like the odd duck. So mm -hmm. to be in a place where everyone was black as the white guy and really have to break through that. So I always stuck out. So it was beautiful, a lot of beautiful moments came from that. And in Jamaica, Jamaica also has a rap of uh, being a very dangerous country. They have a lot of drug issues, a lot of poverty, like in a lot of third world countries. And so uh, I decided last minute to write a post on Reddit, which is a website um, in Jamaica, and say, hey, if anyone knows any people or special places to go to. And there was a lady named Sabrina that reached out to me and said she had some family in a place called Burnt Ground. And I- I love that name. Yeah, I, I know, it's too. so random. And uh, this was a town that was probably, I would say it was about 60 or 70 miles from Negril, which is kind of a touristy place in Jamaica. 
but I really had no idea. And she said, here's all I had. So she told me, you go to, uh, you find this road. I forget what the number of the highway was, but you take this random highway down until you find a, a abandoned gas station. There's gonna be a guy selling uh, pineapples out of the gas station in the front. That's your spot to stop. Now when you stop there, her uncle is gonna meet you there and his name is Fashion. And Fashion's gonna meet you there and he's gonna drive you up into the mountains where this town is burnt ground. That's all I had, I had no other information. I didn't even know who Sabrina was other than she had wrote through Reddit. And so I took this idea and I had actually met uh, two friends, two people that were staying at the Airbnb close to mine and I just said, hey, do you wanna come with me? I'm gonna do this kind of crazy idea. And they said, for some reason I said yes. And so we drove down, we found this little gas station, the guy was selling pineapples outside of it. And I waited there and Fashion came and introduced himself. And Fashion was this exuberant, big guy, a lot of chains. And in these situations, they're really interesting to me because I really inspire people to be intuitive about mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's enough to uh, say, you know, a person looks like this, and so I'm going to be scared of all people that look like this. So right now we have a lot of issues with stranger danger and, and a lot of you know stereotyping and generalizing. So I try to inspire people to not look as much as you know little demographical details about a person, but more intuitively talk with them, converse with them, dig in with them, and kind of get a better sense of how you feel with them. So I had these two friends with me, and I didn't want to bring them into a situation that was a dangerous situation that we didn't really know. So I really had this intuitive moment with fashion where I really wanted to like get to know him before we followed him up into the mountains in this little town. And in a quick moment, I looked at them and I said, I feel good about this, do you trust me? And they said, we trust you if you wanna go. And I said, let's go. So we went up to this little town and this town was only a rum shack and a church. There was nothing else in this whole town. And then it was just one little street. And so we went in this rum shack and I said I would pay for everybody. It was so cheap. And uh, we just got drunk on rum and tonic <laughs> wine. And we spent that whole day just sharing beautiful stories. And uh, I remember they had this little uh, gambling machine in the bar and they were all playing poker in it and they were playing it wrong. They were playing poker incorrectly. So I shared with them some little things. Hey, do this. It might help a little bit better. And before I know it, I have like 40 people around me all watching how to play <laughs> poker. So I'm teaching them these little percentage things that I used to play poker in college and these little percentage things. Okay. So I taught the whole town how to play poker and then they were making a bunch of money playing poker and that was our day. Yeah. We, we had a really fun day with that. So, right. yeah, a lot, of, a lot of big stories came from that, but just yeah. a, a real lighthearted. That's the idea of, you know, be intelligent, don't be naive, but leave yourself open to the possibility of spontaneity. And a lot of these mm -hmm. situations, again, these are situations that are going to be very complex. You really have to read characters and people, and, mm -hmm. and you shouldn't just go in any situation blindly, especially in a third world country. But if you rely on your intuition on how you feel with someone, you can spend a moment with them and make a, you know, a, a smarter decision on how to move forward with them and then you can allow yourself to go in a lot of these more immersive community situations. I have a lot of strangers that I meet that invite me to meet their families right. or to come back to their homes and so it just kind of opens up the world to you. Looking to sell or seeking that dream home? Nancy White of Coeur d'Alene Portfolio Real Estate is not your average real estate agent. Known as the real estate queen, Nancy has consistently garnered awards and accolades in sales production, education, and leadership while continuing to volunteer locally. And she is an avid supporter of our local arts community. Coeur d'Alene Portfolio Real Estate promises local real estate expertise plus concierge level service. 
call Nancy today at 208-818-1126. I was really impressed with your quarantine diaries. Thank so you. I the of course this year has been difficult for mm-hmm. so many people on so many different levels. We've all been touched mm-hmm. by COVID in many many different ways. So how how has that impacted your life? And I know you went out on the road and mm-hmm. you have been in many places. So tell us a little bit about the quarantine diaries. Yeah, so um, when I came back from Jamaica, actually, um, I also do these with very minimal technology. And so when I was flying from Jamaica back to Coeur d'Alene, I had a layover in Chicago and I'd never, I didn't know anything about COVID at that time. And this is right at the beginning. This mm-hmm. is like early March. And so I landed in Chicago and everyone was wearing masks and I didn't really understand what was going on. It felt like a, like a post-apocalyptic moment where everyone's wearing masks. And so I asked the bartender what's going on and he told me about COVID. And so I was like, okay, so this is going to be, you know, a bigger thing. And I flew back to Coeur d'Alene and half of my life is always traveling, always moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing this since I was graduated college at 21. I've never sat still. And, you know, me and Melinda were just talking. It used to be a problem. It used to be something that I could never, my dad would always say, you're running from something, you're running to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but now my life is really based on travel and experience. And so... When I came back to Coeur d'Alene, I thought this would be a two, three-week thing. We'd be quarantined and uh, you know, yeah. I'd be able to travel again. But just like that, my whole project was taken away from me. I couldn't travel around the world. I really couldn't even travel domestically. Um, and so I didn't know what to do. And I don't do well when I just sit still, when I'm not creating. Mm-hmm. And so to me, uh, you know, I sat still for a few weeks, and I was just sitting in my house. And um, I just too much time to think and, and I wasn't creating or doing anything with that. And so then a kind of a light switch moment was, well, this is a lot of, uh, this is a very historical moment, a lot of iconic situations and all I could, like, I couldn't get out of my head, Las Vegas casinos for some reason. <laughs> it was like, when will Las Vegas casinos ever be empty again in our lifetime? Cause they, Las right. Vegas doesn't care, you know? So the fact that there's empty Las Vegas casinos, empty Las Vegas Boulevard, I just couldn't get out of my head. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Las Vegas and photograph the empty boardwalk and casinos. And then when I was driving to Las Vegas, I was like, well, I'm going through Salt Lake City. And I'm going to... So then I was like, what's Salt Lake City? And I was like, I would love a photograph of... A Mormon. I yeah, did you read that story? That was a wild yes. story. Oh, I love that. Story. The fact that Can you got it. Yes, yeah, please. The fact you got in there. I, I used know. to live in Salt Lake City. I can't believe yeah, you got in that's, there. That's a you know a testament, I guess, to again building relationships mm-hmm. very quickly and genuinely like portraying mm-hmm. your authenticity with people and how quickly you get trust with that. Yes. So I was going through uh, Salt Lake City and I couldn't figure out. I was like, what is special about Salt Lake City with COVID? And all I could think of was Mormon churches. And so um, I tried to get in a few Mormon churches around uh, Brigham Young and all that. And as you know, they're like fortresses, you know, there's fences and everything. I was like, well, I'm probably not gonna be able to just walk into a Mormon church. And so I went to downtown Salt Lake City and uh, I'm walking around, still very empty. This is like later March. And I see Temple Square. And then the main, like, you know, the Mormon headquarters and everything. And so then I was like, okay, so I'm going around. I'm in purple gloves, beginning of COVID, purple kitchen gloves. 
I have this ridiculous mask on. I have my headphones in and I have a skateboard. This is how immature I am. And I'm walking around trying to get in my cameras on me, of course. And so what I'm doing is I'm just walking all these doors and I'm just seeing if any of them are open because it's just a ghost town. And so I finally find this door that's open, main middle of Temple Square. And I walk in this big, beautiful building and I see this, these windows and I, I, you know, I'm cursed as a photographer. Everything's a picture in my mind. So I see these windows, and I see this picture, and I'm like, that's it, I'll put a person right there. And there's a security guard that comes running out, and he's like, hey, he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I want to take this picture of, uh, you know, Mormon uniform, tie, everything like that, standing in the window. And he's like, well, you need authorization to do that. And I was like, well, how do I get authorization? He's like, you gotta go get with, from the corporate and you gotta go in this building and, and you have to go to the second floor and, and blah. And he's like, but no one's there and you won't get it. And I was like, I gotta try. And so he's like, yeah, okay. If you can bring me back authorization, I'll let you take a picture there. So he tells me where to go and there's two little awnings and I, I go over there and I open this door and the door opens and I walk inside and I'm immediately like, there's no way I'm supposed to be in this building. <laughs> it was statues and white marble, you know, Mormon, just everything and no one was in the lobby. And so I was taking a few pictures for a moment, again, still my purple gloves and skateboard, and I'm taking a few pictures and there's this gentleman standing over here and he's speaking in Spanish on his cell phone. And he's in a black suit, Mormon suit and everything. And so um, finally, I'm like, okay, I'll go up to the second floor um, and not wear out my welcome. So I get in the second elevator and the guy in the black suit gets on the elevator with me and he's still talking in Spanish and the door's closed and he hangs up his phone and we get to the second floor and walk out there together and he's like, sir, can I help you with something? And I said, yeah, um, the gentleman over there told me to come in this building and get authorization from the second floor and he said the people that would be able to give me that are in this floor. And we both stand there for a second and look, and there's this empty desk forever, as far as you can see. And the guy's like, well, as you can see, there's no one here, and we're all shut down because of COVID, and you, you can't be in here. And he's like, sir, I have to ask you to leave the building. And I was like, no problem. But I was like, real quick, what is that accent you have? That's such an interesting accent. And he's like, it's Venezuelan. And I was like, I love Venezuela. I spent a lot of time in Canaima and Caracas and blah, blah, blah. And so we just started having this great conversation about Venezuela. And like 15 minutes goes by and the guy's like, sir, 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 stop, stop, sir. I have to ask you to leave. Go. <laughs> great story. Like, no but you got to go. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I'll show my way out. And so I get in the elevator and I go down the lobby and I realize he didn't escort me out of the building. Now, I'm respectful in these situations. I don't like to be, uh, you know, I, I don't like to ever affect anyone else's life. I don't like to be disrespectful of people's customs, obviously. But in a building like this, I realized that no one knew that I was there or saw that I was there, and I wasn't gonna touch anything, obviously. But I'm standing there for a moment, I take a few pictures, and I hear the elevator ding, that the doors are about to open. And so I kind of run to this little stairway, and it's a white marble stairway, and I hide for a second. And the people walk out, and they leave, and I'm standing in this white marble stairway, and I'm like, what is the basement in a building like this look like? It's gotta be incredible. <laughs> like, it's gotta be unbelievable. So I go into this basement. It's like James Bond from Idaho. And I go into this basement, and it, I walk in, I take a few pictures. It wasn't that interesting, and not, not good enough to get arrested for. And um, I, so I'm like, okay, I gotta go to the bathroom, then I'm gonna leave. So I go in the bathroom, and 
I go to leave a few minutes later, and there's a guy, full suit, security, earpiece and everything, and he's like, sir, what are you doing in the basement of this building? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, the gentleman across the, the uh, courtyard told me to come in this building and go to the second floor, and I could get authorization. And he said, sir, you're in the basement. And I was like, yeah, I got a little bit lost. I'm so sorry. And I'll, don't worry. And the whole time we're talking, he's saying, like, numbers. And he's like, you know, three, three, four, five, six, whatever. And he's like, I'm with the subject now. And, and then he's, like, coming back to me. And he's like, sir, so what's... So I'm trying to like charm him to not get arrested, but I figured I'm always getting arrested because I'm in the basement of this building. <laughs> and so he's just looking at me. He doesn't really, again, it got me scared right now. He's just looking at me. He has no idea what to think. Finally, he says, I'll take you to the second floor myself. So I'm like, okay, perfect. So all I can think now is I hope the guy in the black suit's not still on the second floor because he needs to be like, I told that guy to leave an hour ago. <laughs> so we get in the elevator, we go up to the second floor, doors open, all the empty desks. He's like, oh, as you can see. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, I guess I'll leave. I guess I'll just show my way out. And he's like, no, sit, sit right here. I'm like, okay. So I sit at the spot and he goes to a glass door, swipes his key card and disappears behind this, uh, the corner. I have no idea what's gonna happen. I don't know if police are coming or, I have no clue and I'm just sitting there. And he comes back with this other guy wearing a tie, Mormon outfit and everything. This very charismatic guy, his name is David, and he introduced, he gives me his card right away, and he's director of media relations for the LDMS church, or LDCS church. And he's like, hey, my name's David, I hear, heard you're a photographer, you're taking pictures. He's like, what can I do for you? And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to take a picture in this courtyard, and you fit the bill exactly, here's my guy in the uniform. It's like, you're that guy, and he's like, I, you can't take a picture of me. And I was like, well, come on, this is, we just gotta go right to the spot. And he's like, no, and I was like, look, we can do it right here, we can do it right here. There's a beautiful painting, there's all these columns. And he's like, you can't take a picture of me. And I was like, okay, well, what do you wanna do? And I could see the wheels turning in his head for a second, and he goes, come with me. And I'm like, okay. So we get in the elevator, we go to the very, very top floor of this main Mormon building church, and we, the door opens, and it is this all glass, and all, all the way around, 180 degrees glass, and white marble and everything. And I walk out, and I realize I, there's, I have to be the only non-Mormon to ever be on this floor, and I have no idea what's going on right now. And so it's overlooking the, all their, their church and their, uh, sorry if I, there's, I don't, the right word for it, but. The grounds. The ground, no, but it's not a church. It's like a, a the temple. temple. The, the, temple. the temple. temple. Exactly, yeah. So it's overlooking the temple and everything, and it's unbelievable. And I'm like, David, yes, this is the picture. I was like, you're going to stand here, and I'm going to stand over here, and I'm going to get it this way. He's like, you can't take my picture. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I'll take your picture. And I was like, I don't want a picture of me. I don't need a picture of me. But I was like, all right, just for the story, you can take my picture. And so he takes my picture, and then uh, he lo he's looking at the back. I tell him what to do, and he takes my picture. I'm looking at the back, and... Uh, He's like looking in, his wheels are turning. He's like, can you take a picture of me here that doesn't show my identity? And I was like, absolutely. I can take it this way. You'll be a silhouette with everything behind you. And he's like, okay. So he lets me get the picture. He's silhouetted. He ran to the camera to look at it. And he's like, that's okay with me. You can keep that picture. And so we took the picture. I was like, unbelievable. And he's like, is there anything else I can do for you? And he's like, no, I think that's it. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna escort you out. And this time they escorted me out. And you were not arrested. Oh, and skateboard and purple gold. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like a 16 year old. Woohoo! You made it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a oh, great man. story. Random. Uh, that is a great Random. story. Random, but that's so great.
that you can well, meet I, I think I was calling it something like um, the innocence of pure motivation. I yeah. mean, it's purity. You're, you're really in there to do something good, and you're not trying to hurt anybody. And, yeah. and then just things fall into place. Well, people are very uh, inspired by curiosity. Because I think we all are lost in phones right now, and we're missing the how incredible the world actually is around us, you know. Right. And so I have a lot of people. In the beginning of this project, I was very afraid to approach strangers as an introvert, but now I'm so excited and I'm so passionate when I approach people that a lot of the feedback I get is people say, "I didn't have a chance to say no," and I knew that. Like you didn't even ask me, and like you were just so excited. How was I going to say no? And so now I almost never get rejected just because I'm so excited. Right. And people just are missing that these days. I love the picture in in the book of the one boy or the man, young man, who says, no one's ever asked to take my photo before. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of breaks my heart. I know. And again, I I won't talk. You talk. (laughs) It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful photo. And I think, you know, that's what we're missing, the connection. And Mm -hmm. and, right. And with each photo, uh, I see a connection and that you've connected with these people that, um, you know, have maybe lost some connection with other people. And it's great that, you know, like you, what's the saying? You you never meet a stranger. Right. That's my my father-in-law used to say that he never meets a stranger. He never met a stranger. And I I feel like that's that's you. Add a little flair to your special events with Scraps Barbecue, a great catering choice for your next gathering. Specializing in golf tournaments, sporting events, and more, their commercial kitchen can be on site, or you can choose to have a fully catered meal delivered right to you. Known for their authentic Santa Maria style tri-tip and tequila lime fish tacos, they can customize the menu to meet your needs for groups of 20 to 2,500. Contact Kevin at kevin at scrapsbarbecue.com or check them out on Facebook. And then there's that other photo of the young girl who said, my, my family always told me never to talk to strangers, but I'm so glad that I talked to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, that was, I thought that was really powerful. That means a lot. Um, you never really know what people take away from each of these pictures, and it's subjective, you know. But, yeah, I think that things are very, uh, it's very dire that people start to connect with one another again because we are constantly stimulated and connected with social media and phones, but we're feeling so alone. Mm-hmm. And so, so often do I hear from people that say, you know, I feel like I have no one close to me in my life or no one that's asking about how I'm doing. Yet, we're surrounded by hundreds of people every day because mm-hmm. each individual person might be thinking that same thing. They're in their head, their head's busy, they're thinking about... And then you get a lot of people that say, you know, I would love to say hello to this person and tell them their dress is beautiful, a compliment, right? But what if they think I'm awkward? Or what if they think, what if I, I'm goofy or, I, you know, I don't... And so we make up all these excuses, but the real key of that is we're just thinking about ourselves that whole time. And everything that I do, and I didn't always used to, because I went through that same thing, but it's just to inspire people to just not think about yourself and how simple that makes conversation. Mm-hmm. Be curious about other people. Notice other people. Notice their glasses. Notice their dress. Notice mm-hmm. their these moments. And you won't notice it looking at a phone. You'll only notice it if you're really paying attention. And then actually put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And when we think that 
I, I might say something awkward and they might think I'm weird and not, uh, you know, not respond favorably. Just go out and test that and you're gonna see it never happens because people are always so, um, they're so intrigued by that vulnerability that comes through with not knowing the perfect thing to say or not being a perfect speaker, that that actually is your bridge to connection, is to being a little bit more human, you know, not having the right thing to say, shows that person that, yeah, I'm not a perfect speaker and you're not a perfect speaker, but we're both together and I see you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're really losing right now, is we're seeing people all the time, but we don't take that moment to just connect with connect. people. Mm-hmm. And without that, you know, people are feeling very isolated right now. Especially oh, with I, yes, absolutely. And it's just such a simple thing to yeah. connect with people and be it curious is. by them. Right. Yeah, and ask questions. And then they'll ask you questions back. Right. And then mm-hmm. all you got to do is just have a beautiful Interact. conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, that's the simplicity of conversation. And right. they'll feel actually connected. I know, you've inspired me to throw my phone away. Yeah, come on, I'm with you. <laughs> throw the phones <laughs> away. But I'm keeping my watch. <laughs> I can't get rid of everything. I yeah, know. Yeah. I know. One I know. step at a time. One baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Well, but. And most of what I have learned through this, I don't preach, you know, and I don't have any judgment towards people. I understand. And a lot of this came from me feeling how addictive phones are on for me myself. I'm not, you know, I'm just as susceptible to how addictive uh, Instagram or TikTok or stuff like that is. And so I'm always trying to inspire myself too because it's easy to do that. But in those moments of stillness where we usually pick out our phone, that's where our thoughts that we need to work through that help alleviate depression or anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's also where we get those little moments of a stranger to walk past us where we can stop and talk mm-hmm. to them and, and have that. And I learned most of this in the world, not just in America. You know, I was fortunate to grow up traveling around the world when I was a lot younger. And a lot of the world doesn't have technology because it's a luxury. You know? mm-hmm. And when you go to those countries, you see relationships and you see simplicity mm-hmm. and you see conversations and you see people sitting in the park just looking at each other, just not, they have nowhere else to be, you know? Right. And they're so joyful and they're so happy. And it's yeah. like, hold on, how am I not that? Mm-hmm. We remember how simple that is. That kind of reminds me um, that I was looking on your Facebook page and um, you had a post, a recent post, you just got back from Mexico. And your post said that um, the whole time, I know you've had issues with depression yeah. and you're in the whole time you were in Mexico, you weren't depressed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that trip and why, what happened? Yeah, so um, again, as a, a lifelong traveler, I find a lot of lightness and movement. Um, movement to me is where my curiosity is peaked because everything's new and interesting and I love culture. Um, and that's where my creative, uh, my creativity is really peaked also. So that's where I'm most creative. When I'm here, I'm not, I don't take that many pictures if I'm not photographing a wedding or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm in a new culture like Mexico, and I lived in Mexico for three years, and so I love Mexico a lot. Um, but when I'm in a new place that I haven't been, I'm very, very awake. I'm very, very, and I think all people are in a new situation. And I like to take a little bit, one step above in the fact to go to places that people think are dangerous. Or people think, you know, you hear a lot of stereotypes. And and they are sometimes. And I'm not naive to that again. I spent many years traveling through Mexico. But then when you have this heightened sense of, okay, I don't have any plans, purely spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I'm in a new place. Everyone thinks it's dangerous. Um, let me go see out, see for myself. And so then we start to put ourselves, I put myself in a lot of just 
observer situation. So I just kind of walk through cities and towns and I'm very, very, just kind of, I'm paying attention, I'm very, very awake. And then throughout those first few days, I'm also working through my introverted side because I'm nervous and I'm always nervous going into these project trips. And so then I start to slowly have some conversations and slow, little minimal things and pictures mm -hmm. and then I step away. And then through time, I just dig in more and more and more. But the whole thing is this, real beautiful experience as I'm not in my head at all because I can't be. I need to be aware of what's my surroundings. I need mm -hmm. to be aware of people. I'm also interacting with people to, you know, dig stories and have moments of connection. And so that whole time, I'm just not comfortable enough to be depressed. And I don't mean to say that lightly. I've been depressed. I don't mean to say that depression is always a comfort thing. But when I come back here, I have a beautiful life. I'm like pretty much retired and I photograph weddings a little bit, but I have a lot of time to just sit. And when I sit and I'm not creating, I just start to think and I start to think too much and I start to worry about too much and I just fall back into my hole. And mm -hmm. I stop creating and I start worrying too much and then the second I go to a new place, it's all taken away from me. And these conversations that I have with strangers, um, especially in Mexico, especially in third world countries, these are very long, beautiful conversations. Um, where, you know, I'm very immersed in that conversation. I think it's very important when you're trying to connect with anyone, um, I think it's crucial, actually, that the person knows that you're genuinely listening. Mm -hmm. And they can tell, we can all tell that. We can tell based on the response. We can tell where's people's, you know, eye contact or how busy their head is. And if they can tell that you're genuinely listening, people will open up and tell you things that they haven't told anyone else. And it means so much to them to alleviate them also. And sure. they really will connect with you in your life also. Yeah. So where, what is next for you? Where, where haven't you been? Where, where do you want to go next? Right. <laughs> That's because uh, you've been a lot of probably, places. Yeah. I, do you still have that epic train? What is that? The, yeah, Ural. Ural. Do you have that still? Yeah. So you forever have a no, life. No, not forever. Oh, but I they, thought it was lifetime. I was like, I no, want that. That was for the lifetime of that project. That oh, trip. for that trip. Yeah. Okay. Eurail, uh, European trains gave me a forever pass to travel any train, any time without any reservation. Um, and that's how this project got started. I didn't have any money when I started this project. And so just for the money I saved up working at 315, <laughs> uh, I booked a one-way ticket to Copenhagen, Denmark. I didn't have a clue where I was going to sleep or how to do it. I, I got my first Airbnb for the first night, um, but without any money, I was like, I need to find a way to be able to move and, and you know, figure out what to do. So I reached out to Eurail, who runs most of the trains in Europe, and I asked them to sponsor me for this. And they, I had no real photography portfolio or anything, and they asked me a bunch of questions. We went back and forth for a while. And they finally agreed to say yes, that they would, and give me this pass. So then I was like, nice, I can sleep on the train. So now I got a place to sleep. <laughs> and that's how I went to uh, 14 countries on the, in the beginning of this, just taking trains through it. So mm -hmm. they actually asked to do another one, mm -hmm. um, which we'll do after COVID. So mm -hmm. we'll do that again with Europe. Right. Oh, fun. Yeah. Can I go? Yeah. <laughs> you don't <laughs> want to travel with me. I, I used to think, oh, oh, yeah. And I have people reach out to me. Oh, my gosh, you're living this dream. And I'm like, you're seeing the highlight reel. Social media is not real life in any way. And so then I used to have some people, oh, can I travel with you? Yeah, you can travel with me. And they make it three days. No plans. <laughs> I'm pure chaos. I have so much fun. But I never know where, where I'm going or what I'm doing. And most people don't like that very much. Uh, mm -hmm. My son does. He, okay. he, does he lives in his van, too. Oh, so. I love that. <laughs> I love the van life, too. I did that for a while. Yeah, yeah did amazing. you? Yeah. I know. It's, I where, don't where's know. he at now? In Carbondale, Colorado. Mm. 
Another great place you could go get. I don't some. think I've ever been there. Oh, it's, it's really beautiful. Cool. It's right outside of Aspen. Oh, gosh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. So he likes there. the snow and stuff? He does. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an illustrator and he has chosen skin as his. Uh, he's media. a tattoo artist. He's a tattoo yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. that's a beautiful fun. art. That's a beautiful art. Yeah. It's so. a permanent art. <laughs> so um, I'm going to bring it back to you. Also did uh, you were in the Portland area during during the protests? I was in Minneapolis and uh, Chop in Portland covering all the protests. Yeah. Wow. So that did you have conversations with people there, or was that yep. more just documenting the what was the action? Yeah, so this is on your, with the quarantine diaries. That's uh, you part know, of it, I started, right. Well, I started that because I couldn't travel around the world anymore. Right. And I was really needing to find that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I did the quarantine diaries, but then that ended. And, and, and then, then I needed something else. And actually, Minneapolis was very lucky. Um, I was hired to photograph a wedding. And I was flown in to photograph that wedding in Minneapolis. And I was flown in the night everything began. And I oh, had no wow. clue. Because I don't really watch the news very much. Yeah. And so I had no clue. And I woke up in the morning and I opened up my windows mm. to the whole city burning down. And I thought there was like a bomb that was dropped or something. Like, something weird because mm. there's lots of buildings on fire and smoke everywhere. And so mm-hmm. I ran down to the front desk and asked them what was going on. And they told me. So, um, you know, I'm not a political person. I don't like how divisive politics are and what that's done to our country. Mm-hmm. I don't care for the news as much, too, and I don't judge anyone that does. But to me, it's not the full story, and I like to go out and find the full story myself right. the hard way. Um, and so with those two things, I had no clue what was going on outside of that. There's a protest going on because this officer murdered someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I like to do in those is, A, again, it's historical, so I'm very fascinated by the pictures and the, how iconic the pictures are. But mm-hmm. then I love to just meet people and just dig into as much as possible and say, I don't know what's going on. Tell me what's going on. And tell mm-hmm. me wh- what you feel about what's going on and mm-hmm. why this is happening. And I just fell in love with that in Minneapolis because I'm from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, very big racial division. Ferguson just happened in St. Louis, oh, yeah. and uh, I grew up that most of my life. And I grew up again living in a city where uh, I was the minority. It's 60, 40 African Americans. So I loved that. It was the most normal thing in the world to me. Um, and so I really wanted to figure out that full story. And I would hear what's happening on the news, and I knew that I wasn't seeing that in person. So what I did was I just uh, spent every day there on the front lines, and I spent days with protesters. Then I spent days with National Guard. Then I spent days with police like every side of the story to share it without any political bias or agenda, just to right. say this is the true stories of what I'm hearing in person. And they made a very big impact that I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people found a very optimistic spin on it or a perspective of it because it's just humanitarian. It's just people very passionate, passionate about what they believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once that happened there, then I wanted to see CHOP because only five hours away and CHOP was very fascinating to me because um, you have a six block autonomous zone where no police are allowed inside and I thrive in complex situations because you really here's another situation where you need to build relationships to help your safety and awareness of the situation you're in surroundings Mm -hmm. right you can't just walk in there blindly and and not know what is around or be naive to it and so when I walked into CHOP um, all the news, t- 
teams were blocked from going inside for the yeah. people inside. They didn't want any news cameras. And every time they would pull out a news camera, people would stand in front of it and censor them or block them. Right. And once I saw this, I, I realized why. And I put my camera away and I just spent a lot of time inside just building relationships. Just mm -hmm. saying, hey, I don't know what's going on. Tell me. And it took me, I think it was the second day to get trust from the people and get immunity inside. Mm -hmm. And I was the only Caucasian given immunity inside of CHOP. And so wow. then I brought in my camera guy and we were allowed to film inside. And then we just embedded ourselves into sharing the, the full story. And there's so many different factors going on and, you know, some side said uh, there's gangs over here, there's murders the first four nights, we're watching all this. Then the mayor would call randomly and the leaders would say, come with us, we're going to meet the mayor. And so it was very interesting, very, very just, uh, yeah, very complex story. Mm -hmm. And then with that, I wanted to go see Portland to see um, where, you know, people were being kidnapped and tear gassed and stuff like that. So yeah. they finished right. that all out. But all of this I do without any kind of political bias at mm -hmm. all because I honestly, on my life, don't know what the full story is because I haven't seen it on the news and so all I do is I just meet people and try to uh, you know bridge together because I find so much of that divisiveness is uh, because you know we really hold on to one idea of something that we already think and we don't leave any malleability in our brains to have our opinions be swayed through even educated conversation right and really even not that to be the goal even to not have the goal of the conversation be to sway your opinion, but just to be more educated on how someone else thinks. Mm -hmm. And you can disagree with them, that's okay. Right. But that's how we really have a you know a well-mannered conversation where we both walk away more educated than we were before it. Right. And I found that more easy than uh, a lot of people say it is, but you, you can't go in there to say, you know, why you think away and try to convince someone because they'll just always be defensive at that. Right, so. yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Right. Well, and it's interesting because you know we've learned over the last few years that um, if you if 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 you believe something that's different from somebody else, you you can't like them anymore, hmm. and it's ridiculous. It is, yeah. It actually puts a wall up in between something that's very promising for a connection because mm -hmm. now you get to spend time with that person and learn from them. Right. And again, exactly. you don't have to agree with them. You right. You can still have a good conversation with them. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, we get, I think that's another issue with social media and, and so much technology is that we build up this echo chamber inside of our minds that this is how we think and this is how all the people that I hang out with think too. Mm -hmm. And so this is the right way and now it's my job to go out there and convince people that think otherwise that they're wrong. <clears throat> and that just divides yeah. everybody More. and in that division right. what we're seeing right now. Right. That are really suffering. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I have some photographer friends that said they want to ask me, they want, what, what was it about the more lenses? More technical stuff. More technical. Uh, we oh want God, some technical. What's, okay, oh, what's your camera of choice? I mean. Uh, I use a Nikon Z6. Okay. Which is a mirrorless. Okay. I know nothing about cameras. And it's all digital, right? All You're, digital. Yeah. Which makes life so much easier, I'm sure. Yeah, I always say I'm not a real photographer because the real ones are the film photographers that, <laughs> that they, they did that know. in the dark room. Yeah. And the, 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 I get to take a picture and, and I then can zoom. see right then. Look at it, it and go, do you not, like it? Take it again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you That's, go in and alter your photos at all? Minimally, um, very minimally. Everything that you'll see is to keep the cleanliness of the actual, like, you know, the emotion of the picture. There was one photo that I saw that looked like a door in the middle with a man walking through, and it looked like that might have been Photoshop. Was that, 
So I've never used Photoshop in so my no. entire life. So there you go. I know, but I was really no fat. Because I use Photoshop it. all the time. So oh. I'm looking at it going, how do you do that? I'm I've supposed never to. even. And that's a beautiful thing because now when I do a wedding and they say, can you? And I'm like, I don't no. know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't do that. It saves me a lot of the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I've always, uh, I don't, I really don't like computers very much. And I really don't like technology very I'm much. I'm with you. And so with that, I love <laughs> to take the picture. But then I'm like, I don't want to do a lot Ooh. of it with it. Yeah. And I think. In the beginning, a lot of photographers will over edit, as I did too, to make more beautiful, make your photograph mm -hmm. more beautiful. But the more you practice and, and just really sink into learning it, you find out how to take the picture that way out of the camera. And then you really right. don't need to edit or okay. do much with it. The geeks want to know lens. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Yeah. What lens? 50 millimeter Sigma Art 1.4. It sounds like a lot of numbers. I, I, I love the one four. Yeah. It's one of my favorite lenses. <laughs> As, oh, I love the one eight. I can't even believe that. One two. One two. That's got to be great. I bet it takes great photos. I take photos with my phone. I know. They take pretty good. I've got like an iPhone eight, so I'm way behind the times. You know, I know they do fine. I'm happy with them, but when you take it out of a camera, you gotta like take it, and then you gotta take the card out. Yeah, the old-fashioned way. Unless you have an Apple, and then you just do AirDrop, and there. I learned last week how to do AirDrop. I still, I'm always like, what's this AirDrop? I'm blown away how cool that is. I never know how to do it. Exactly. Pretty amazing. Exactly. All right. So, so my um, goodness. For those of you that don't know, hellofromastranger.com is the website that we're talking about. And mm -hmm. It's really Check it a out. beautiful website. It really is. Yeah. All the stories um, from the, the stories that go with the photos. The photos are great, too. I love the Vietnam mm. story. That's I mean, that's a beautiful is, yeah. one. Uh, well, just yeah. check it out. It's really, they're all inspiring and they, they touch my heart. So, I, I would. In, I would, and Facebook and Instagram. Right. Check it all out, you oh know. God. Yes, you, oh, can find, you can find Adam on Facebook. He's Adam C. Schluter and Instagram and YouTube also. It's hello dot underscore. It's oh. hello dot oh. underscore a. Oh, I thought it was a dot. Oh. Hello dot. No, the under. Oh, underscore. it's well, an underscore. Like that, but I so think we're if wrong. You just Google Adam Schluter, you'll, you'll find, find it. Some cool stuff right. on so it. we just want to thank Adam. It's so nice to meet you. And it's a great treat to be here. Oh with yeah, you yeah with and you guys. have an audience. Yay. Yay. Yay! You guys are awesome. Amazing. And we want to thank, thank you, the Greenbrier. Greenbriar. Oh, okay. Woo! Greenbriar. <laughs> and our basil briar. Well, thank you again. Yep, and I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And whatever, whatever you, you do today, make it creative, creative now. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Is quality fresh roasted coffee a vital part of your morning ritual? Do you own a burr grinder? Is pour over your preferred brew method? If you've answered yes to these questions, then I'd like to introduce you to North Idaho's newest specialty coffee roaster, Tubbs Coffee Roasters. Founded on simple pleasures but defined by a complex process, Tubbs Coffee Roasters is a unique addition to the local coffee scene offering crafted house blends and single origin whole bean coffees of exotic varietals and unique processing methods. We invite you to visit our website, tubscoffeeroasters.com 
for our latest row selections, current and relevant operational information, and links to our social media. Tubbs Coffee Roasters, globally sourced, locally roasted. The Alley and Cali Artcast is brought to you by the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and sponsored by The Ovation Company, Scraps Barbecue, Tubbs Coffee Roasters, and Coeur d'Alene Portfolio Real Estate. With a special thanks to Cascade Creative Studios.